video, I want to talk to you about the differences between serviced accommodation and HMOs or houses of multiple occupancy as it's known. Both great cash flowing strategies, but I'm going to give you my view on why I think serviced accommodation is better than HMOs. So in brief, HMOs, you take one property, typically a five, six or seven bedroom house, sometimes greater, and you then rent out each room as though it was an individual property. You have shared living spaces and shared kitchens. Service accommodation, as we know, hopefully you've watched the rest of the videos already in this series, but we take a property, we rent it out as a whole in the main, and we attract contractors, traveling tourists, etc. We can do anything from bed and breakfast rooms all the way up to multiple units in big apartment blocks, five, six, 10 bed houses, luxury villas, you name it, pretty much every property fits in this model. And for me, that is one of the main reasons why service accommodation is the best strategy. For example, a typical street will have anywhere from two, three, and four bed properties. In the main, it will be somewhere around here with two or three bed properties and you will have an element of five beds chucked in there. But the percentage of five bed properties or more is actually quite slim, unless there's been major conversion work done prior. That means the amount of stock available to search from on HMOs is a lot less than on serviced accommodation. Now, when you're starting this gig out, you're more than likely gonna be running the rent to rent strategy. So you're gonna be reaching out to landlords that own these type of properties. The more you reach out to people, because it is a volume game, it's a numbers game, the more that comes through your funnel, the more that you end up acquiring. So I would say for every HMO that you acquire, you can probably acquire somewhere like five to 10 serviced accommodation style properties. Now, ultimately the cash flow is around the same per property. Let me explain a bit further around that. So on average, if we assume that we've got a five bed HMO, and we get 500 pounds per room, then obviously that's 2,500 pounds per month. Our bills might be about 500, maybe a bit more now with the uh, energy crisis, but uh, bills 500 quid, let's say we're paying a thousand pound rent a month, and therefore we're left with a thousand pounds net profit. Typical rent to rent HMOs, you probably bills, you'd see a bit higher than that, but let's just keep it simple for now. Now on a service accommodation unit, even a one bed flat, say for example, and let's say we're driving in um, 100 pounds a night, and therefore we want to put, I don't know, uh, let's say we do 21 nights a month bookings, which is about 70% occupancy rate. So our revenue is 2,100 quid. Uh, rent on this could be somewhere like 600, 650 maybe. Bills, probably somewhere similar to a HMO because we're obviously adding clean and linen onto that as well. With a HMO, you would typically do a 10 day or by monthly clean every other week. With the um, service accommodation model, obviously we're cleaning that every time there's been a guest through the door. Uh, so we've got 1150, so we've got 21. So we're, we're somewhere like 950 quid profit there versus the thousand pounds. The thing is though, there's more of those stock, that stock available. So how many of 950s do you want versus how many thousands do you want, knowing that that's a lot harder to find because those properties don't exist in volume as these properties do. So for me, that is one of the major benefits why 
surface accommodation works better than HMOs because on the front end it's all about acquiring as many units as we possibly can because ultimately we're after cash flow and if we don't get the units then we don't get the cash flow so I would rather have 10 little one bed two bed three bed properties on surface accommodation bringing in 950 a month each versus three or four HMOs bringing in a thousand pounds net profit each. You see the difference? We're already swinging massively in favor of service accommodation as a profit opportunity. One of the other reasons as well comes down to the type. So in here, we obviously host guests. In here, we host tenants. Now, in my experience, these are more hassle than these. Reason being that these cannot pay and still stay in your property. If they decide not to pay and stay in your property, then your cash flow reduces. That thousand pound becomes 500 pounds. You get two of them, then it becomes uh, zero or even worse, you'll start losing money. With guests, they pay up front, they leave a deposit for any damage and they have no rights so we can kick them out if they do decide to stay. In my experience, this has never happened, so you do not need to worry about it, although I have heard instances where it does, but if you have the right legal structure, the right setup, the right systems in play before your guests even arrive, then they will not cause any issues in the main. With tenants, don't get me wrong, not all tenants are bad, but there's a lot more red tape around tenants and landlords and what you can and can't do. A tenant could live in your property for six to eight months and not pay a single penny of rent. It would cost you thousands to go through court to get to kick them out. This worst case scenario costs you a security firm of a few hundred pounds to get them kicked out, but you can actually take it out of their deposit that they've left with you. So, you know, it, it, it just massively swings in roundabouts. And I think this game is more flexible. You know, we worked on 21 nights before, which is an average of 70%. If you start achieving 80% or 90%, then that cash flow goes up and your net profit goes up then you can reinvest it back into your business to find more units and add more cash flow into the system. So whilst this, this model uh, does have a bit more labor intensive work required in terms of managing the guests, checking them in, making sure that they're all okay. But again, you can put good systems and processes in play as we've talked about during this series already. Tenants, a lot less, you know, you move them in, you send your cleaners in every couple of weeks, they probably be your eyes and ears on the property. And then ultimately they, you know, Stay, they pay, they check out six, eight months, and then you've got to re refurbish it and get it through. The last thing that I want to cover is void periods. So whilst even if you have a very busy HMO property, typically a tenant, let's say, checks out on the 30th of the month, and you don't find, uh, it takes you probably a week to get it cleaned, get it turned around, get it re-advertised, do some viewings. You might then get another tenant say, okay, well, I'll take it the 30th of the next month. You've then lost one month's worth of revenue on that room. If you have five rooms and let's say on average, you know, HMO tenants stay somewhere between eight and 14 months typically. So if you've got five rooms and you're losing a month every single year, then in every room, then obviously that's reducing your profit down. With serviced accommodation, we never have any voids. It doesn't happen because we're open 24-7. Yes, we've got fluctuating nights. So, you know, some months we might only get 17 nights booked. Some nights we get 21 nights booked. Some nights we get 28 nights booked. Sometimes, sometimes we might get a solid 90-day booking paid up front. So this fluctuates throughout the year. 
and it means that we're never void and we're always open, we're always available and we're not having to suffer through multiple viewings and wasted time and everything else that goes with it because on average you're going to need to see five tenants to get a room booked. That's five viewings that you have to go to the property for, show them around, follow them up, deal with their inquiries. This system here is built on an instant booking system. They see your property on a website, they book it. Yes, you'll get inquiries in and you'll get you know, various messages, but you can use canned responses and you can trigger things back to them automatically, which answers 95% of their questions. So this business for me is a much more scalable business than this one because there's more stock and I believe you can put better systems and processes around this business than you can that business to make it work. So hopefully that explains the difference between service accommodation and HMOs. In my opinion, I'm pretty sure there'll be some HMO experts who've got massive HMO portfolios, um, you know, much bigger than my HMO portfolios that will maybe contest that. But in the main, I think, uh, as I've experienced, that you, there's a lot more stock of this available than there is this available. And ultimately, I'm after as many units as I can get because I know each unit adds extra cash flow in the business each and every month. Make sure you like this video, drop me a comment below, and don't forget to subscribe because the next video is about capital allowances and how you can pay less tax to the HMRC using this legal framework around serviced accommodation assets. And it is so powerful. It can save you hundreds of thousands of pounds each and every year in your business that you can then use to reinvest back into the business to create more cash flow. If you are enjoying the show, then I would really appreciate a review. And for doing so, I am going to reward one lucky person with an hour's one-to-one -one phone call with myself to discuss anything to do with your life or business and try and help you move it forward in a positive direction. All you have to do is leave a review, take a photograph of it and tag me on Instagram at official Ryan Luke, and I will pick out the lucky winner towards the end of the month.